Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Premier League is back this weekend and we cannot wait for kickoff. We've got a massive episode of the Gagan Pod to preview it all for you with Michael Bridges, Mark Schwarzer and Thomas Sorensen. But we kick off with the news that Lionel Messi has confirmed his move to Paris Saint-Germain. So much to talk about. Let's get stuck into it. Yeah, here we go. Another season of the Gagan Pod is ahead of us as we begin by previewing the 2021-2022 season of the Premier League. Roll around just like that. It feels like a few minutes ago we were ending the Euros, but thank goodness the football season has rolled around once again. David Wiener with you for the fourth season of the Gagan Pod, if you can believe that. And before we jump in, just want to say hope all you listeners out there are well and safe and looking after yourselves during another lockdown here in Australia. And let's hope, like it did over the last 18 months, that football can provide us a little bit of solace and entertainment. And that's what we'll try to do for you over the next hour or so. Joining me today, well, we've got a great show ahead of us. Michael Bridges, welcome. Great to see you once again for another season. Great to see you. Great to hear you, Dave. And great to be back talking about football after the Euros. I've, it was good to have a little bit of downtime, but great that we know the Premier League is back. Thomas Sorensen, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thank you for being back. You know, it's uh, Olympics behind us. Now we can't wait for the Premier League uh, for football and uh, all the great news coming through with Messi. You know, uh, plenty to talk about. We have a huge news day ahead of us and we have a great third guest too. We almost... We almost went ahead without you, Schwartzy, but welcome to the show today. Just in the nick of time, it's great to see you on the Gangabot. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, guys. Thanks for waiting for me. Thanks for being patient. Um, I'm jet-lagged. That's all I can say. <laughs> jet lag? I don't know. I just made something up. There's really unique reason for it, isn't it? I can't explain it. What's the discipline policy, Bridgie? You're the, you're the, you're the running the ship in here in the dressing room. Well, Sidney Swartz's got his show and the two sharp reds. I would just think if we all send Swartz our home address in Australia, it'd be lovely to get a fine <laughs> drop of red wine each delivered as the fine because um, half an hour is bang out of order. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> he knows from the fines and the clubs that he's played at in the past, it would be a lot more than three bottles of red wine for half an hour later. Most buses would have gone by now. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> we're just in the nick of time and we've got yeah we've got a lot to talk about so let's get stuck into it because my goodness to start the season we probably have the biggest transfer that i think we've been able to discuss in the three or four seasons of the gag and Paulino messi we're recording wednesday morning fresh off the news that he has inked that two-year deal with an option for a third with paris saint-germain he will wear the number three 30, the jersey he wore in his early years at Barcelona, a 25 million euro salary for the season. Wow. Bridgie, I'm still in shock. So over to you. I just cannot believe what's happened over the last three or four days in the world of football. 
Yes, absolutely incredible. And even seeing him in that PSG jersey standing in the middle of the stadium. I mean, the the announcement on social media was incredible where they've got the drone footage going through the shop at Paris Saint-Germain. It flies out, it goes around the stadium. You see Messi in the middle of the park. And I still can't get my head around seeing him in a PSG shirt and not a Barcelona shirt. But I'll tell you what, incredible business, an incredible contract. I think he said £25 million in wages there, Dave. I think he's signed on for his £25 million as well. So we're looking at a million pound a week. And absolutely incredible. I was looking... Like I say, I still can't get my head around how it's happened. And I think it's a really, really sad situation that Barcelona have found themselves in. The fans, I'm devastated for them because I, I never thought we would see Messi move after Manchester City tried to make an approach for him. Um, I think it was last season we were talking about this. And I thought they pulled, pulled, managed to pull it off and keep hold of him. Sadly, they haven't. And it was only going to be two powerhouses, I think, that could have battled out for his signature in City and PSG. And the strike force with Mbappe, Neymar, Di Maria, it's just absolutely frightening. Pochettino must just be thinking, my God, if we do not win the Champions League this year, there is something wrong. And he will be gone if they don't. How do you feel about it, Thomas? Because there's a lot of people that are looking at going, wow, this is fantasy football. This is the best front three, not only in world football right now, that we've possibly ever seen. But it's also a bizarre situation. And, and there's just something that doesn't feel quite right about it either. Yeah, for me, it's it's uh, it's sad um, that he he has to leave a club that he he loves. Uh, you know, he stated that several times. The loyalty he's shown, the history he has there. Bridget, you mentioned the fans, um, and just because of mismanagement uh, financially from from Barcelona. <laughs> You know, this is not where we, we should be. It's great for us that we can sit here and, and talk about, uh, you know, it's great news. Uh, you know, and again, you, you're talking about, you know, fantasy football is certainly going to be that at uh, PSG. But, um, you know, well, he shouldn't have gone. Uh, and that, that that's uh, the sad truth about it. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about loyalty in the modern game and, and you got a player there who's an icon and, and, and the greatest we probably ever had. And he's been forced out uh, of a club that he wants to stay at. I think, uh, you know, that's sadly the state of, of, of the affairs. And, and uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm not happy about it, but, uh, you know, I, I'm sure they're, 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 <laughs> they're very joyous in, in Paris. Speaking of loyalty, I asked my wife about his contract and I said, if you were offered a million a week, would you stay with me? There was no loyalty whatsoever. She said, I'd be gone in a flash, especially to Paris. So there you go. Rosie, how big a moment is this in the world of football? Um, him going to Paris is a game changer. It changes the whole scene of European football, but also the fact that when things broke down in Barcelona and they broke down badly, there's only one yeah, that, really, that could take him. I, I think there's a number of things you can look at here. I mean, firstly, the demise of Barcelona, um, the sorry state that they find themselves in. Um, I, I just find it really, really kind of, I think the decision, the announcement of it was really political in the timing of it, waiting for Messi to come back. Messi was on the, in the understanding that he was going to sign a new five-year contract. Um, and then the club announcing the very, the sort of almost like the hour that he returned back to Barcelona after the extended holiday after uh, Copa America, that he, uh, they, they were unable to, um, to give him an, a, a new contract and that he had to leave. And basically it was out of their control, which is, which is, you know, I think it's really sad to see, like, like Thomas was saying there, to see uh, Messi anywhere else other than at Barcelona um, is a scary thought. 
And then you look at PSG and you look at what they've been able to accomplish in this transfer window. Firstly, how is it even possible? Um, <laughs> you know, financial fair play. I mean, I, I don't know. don't know how that's even possible. But then you look at what they've done and, and all the talk over here is, is it the best transfer window any club's ever had um, over time? Donnarumma, Ramos, Wijnaldum and Messi. Um, yeah, Hakimi insane isn't it um to think that psg together with obviously um you know when you look at mbappe i mean the, the only thing i would say is there there are rumors now that mbappe it kind of opens the door a little bit for mbappe possibly to move to real madrid um whether that happens or not only time will tell um but if he does stay geez I mean, you look at you look at the formidable side that PSG have got, and is there anyone out there with the ability to stop them? Swartzy, you talk about the how they have managed to pull this off in the financial fair play. That's why we have the luxury of having a Dave Weiner who investigates all of this stuff, and I'm sure he'll have something to say to explain it because I am the same as you. I've got no idea how they've managed to do this. Like every other fan, I was bewildered, like you guys looking at it, going, "It just doesn't make sense." And and the only logical explanation for it is whilst obviously they have coffers that go beyond anyone's mind can even comprehend with the sovereign ownership that they've got there during the pandemic uefa loosened the, the financial fair play rules because what happens in financial fair play is you can only spend what you earn and if you go beyond that you get a cap for the subsequent seasons to make sure you don't spiral out of control but naturally during the pandemic clubs were making losses that weren't forecast when they were spending and building up their squads. So there was a relaxing of the punishment if you were spending more than you weren't because clubs were not having tickets, they were getting less in merchandise or they were losing money. So simple as that. So it was meant to protect most clubs of a normal level, not Paris Saint-Germain. But Paris Saint-Germain, if you applaud opportunism and... And, and, and you've got you the know, best lawyers in the world, Dave. Like they have done rules. <laughs> yep, they have done that right there. So the rules that were there to protect the most clubs, Paris Saint-Germain have swept in. Reading everything, it seems that they were very, very um, switched on to the fact that their next transfer strategy was going to involve targeting your Ramoses, your Vinaldums, those types of players who were coming off contract, who they could then entice with big salaries, agent bonuses and that kind of thing. But to do that at a time where there were these rules as well, that's how they've kind of run the maths, which just to the, to the layman like us make absolutely no sense. But I just want to ask you guys, I mean, with the talk of Kane going with Grealish to City and Messi going to Paris Saint-Germain, do any of you just, does, does that rankle with any of you guys? Does it just feel a bit off to any of you guys? Yeah. Any, anybody? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think you look at the likes of Chelsea, for example, and what they've been able to accomplish over the last uh, 12 months as well since their transfer ban was lifted and the, the type of squad they've been able to accumulate. Manchester United haven't been quiet in this transfer window either. And, no, you know, there's a chance that the, the spending hasn't ended with them either. Liverpool, uh, there's talk of Liverpool now also um, looking to, to spend and having to find money to spend because they, they're worried about being left behind, even though it's almost like they've had two or three new signings with players coming back from injury, Van Dijk, uh, Gomez uh, in particular, and they're, they're huge for them. Um, do, so I, I still think, you know, even though on paper PSG obviously looked miles ahead of everyone else, 
Um, you know, when you talk about world football, you look at your run European football, Bayern Munich is still a very strong side. PSG, of course. Um, I don't think you can write off Real Madrid. You can't write off Juventus, even though, you know, they didn't have a particularly great season last season, but Allegri's back there. Um, then you look at Chelsea, Man City, Man United. You know, I think there's still a decent spread, but we're, we're, we're getting close to a point where there's only a couple of clubs, literally there will be possibly only two or three clubs that look like they've monopolized everything. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, Dave, I, I think what, what you're we're saying is that, we, you know, we had Man City last season who was under the cosh with UEFA uh, restrictions. Uh, and then, you know, why can they suddenly, with the wage bill they have, go out and spend a hundred million on Grealish Potentially another 120 million on Kane. He's uh, not leaving. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> but, you know, so, so I, I get that. Um, and then you hear other clubs, Arsenal, who, who've had to take out loans to, to pay off another loan. Um, you, know, you know, where does that leave financial fair play that was instated to, to make it a fair playing field? And, and when you look at these big clubs spending and you look at, you know, other clubs struggling and you look at, yeah, Barcelona and the state they're in and um, then, yeah, is, is it skewed? Is, is there something rotten in, in the state of uh, uh, football? Or do they all know that they can go and try and get in as much debt as they possibly can between now and that Super League talk that we try to scrap a year and a bit ago this that's still lingering around man mm. and i'm telling you there's a lot of money involved mm. in that and the the more these clubs are going ahead and signing players than the the way that they are doing and monopoly in the market at the top end it it's it's a worrying worrying thought for me in going forward i've got to say that. let's also not forget psg were the ones that that weren't interested in being involved in the super league they stayed way away you know miles away from it um barcelona and real madrid what they do that seriously needs to be looked at a bit more because Barcelona to be 1.2 or 1.3 billion euros in debt. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, that's not accumulated over a year or two, you know, and the financial fair play, the way it's, um, it, it, it's, it's um, worked that is over a two year period as well. Let's not forget. Um, and then, you know, what Dave was saying there about UEFA relaxing also the parameters because of the pandemic gives them a little bit more leeway, of course. Um you look at Messi, for example, and how much money Barcelona are going to lose mm. just by letting him go in terms of revenue. And then obviously the the reverse effect, the opposite effect is how much revenue is uh, going to be gained by PSG by the simple fact of having Messi on their books. It, it's, it's astronomical. And it almost goes back to the days of, you know, when David Beckham was signed by Real Madrid and I think within the first three months, the 25 million pounds at the time, which was a lot, a lot of money, they regained just in shirt sales alone, alone worldwide. With Messi, it won't be long before those shirt sales also um, bring in the cash. It puts Paris Saint-Germain, who uh, have been building towards this moment, this now takes them to the, the level they dream of. You can't ignore the fact that obviously their Qatari owners have this now a year before the World Cup that they have there. I know this isn't a financial thing, but in the weekend where there was the speculation, they added nearly a million followers to their Instagram account. And all the while, I mean, I just I looked to look at it again and again last night of the 
the people outside the Camp Nou in Barcelona scraping off Messi's picture from the from the stadium walls. It just defied belief. So I think what you said earlier, Schwartzy, about Barcelona have a lot of questions. They do a lot of questions because their wage bill is still almost hemorrhaging now without him. So they've still got a lot of problems to deal with in the next season beside the fact playing a campaign without the guy who was leading all the attacking metrics in, in La Liga last season. Um, and then Paris Saint-Germain, as you touched on, guys, Richard Pochettino, you know, he's got one job and one job only, and that's to win the Champions League. And, by the way, knock off Lille from the top of Ligue 1. So, um, a fair bit to do there. La- last question is, have you seen this front three? Now, we've taken all the... We've been very kind of circumspect about it and looking at all the negatives at Barcelona. But in terms of pure fantasy football, can you remember seeing a front three like this? I, I don't think you can call it a front three, Dave, because like Cardi's is there, Di Maria is there. They, it's just Drexler still there. I just don't get it. I look at their squad and I just go, "Wow, this is absolutely incredible." Um, but it's it is just fantasy football. Messi back with Neymar, and if we stay in Mbappe, is going to stay there. I, I'd like to think Mbappe would stay there because you know Messi, what thirty four years of age, few years, Mbappe going away. He, he, he hasn't been fantastic in the Euros, but um, I, I'm just going to froth at the mouth to watch these play um, football because it, it, it is absolutely dream. It's a dream. Your man Poch better win a trophy, Bridgie, because if he doesn't... <laughs> well, well, what's interesting as well, you, you talk about Icardi being at PSG and he's heavily linked with Spurs. Is that Spurs finding a replacement for Harry Kane? Well, there's Martinez as well at Inter Milan. I hope if they're going to get anybody, I'd like to say it was Martinez. I don't like... I don't like thinking it's going to be a Cardi because he comes with a hell of a lot of baggage with his partner, who is his agent. She can kick up a stink everywhere she goes. So um, Martinez would be the one for me, Swartzy. And you've got to have, I think they're putting in, Tottenham are definitely putting in some plan Bs and Cs as security nets in case this deal does go through. It's looking like he is going to be there, um, but I, I just can't wait till the deadline shuts. Bridget, but if you were Spurs, right? 130 million, they're talking about Manchester City being prepared to spend 130 million pounds on on uh, Harry Kane. Yeah, surely you'd sell him for that. Uh, Swartz, you know my love affair with Harry. I know, I but absolutely take, adore him. I would. I take know, the money. I would take you the can, money. Yeah, yeah I absolutely, you would. I would. Of course, I you would. would. I would take the money. Yeah, it's ridiculous amounts of money. What that could do. I mean, I've been impressed. We're going off track here, but I've been impressed with what um, Nuno Espirito Santos has done since he's come in there. I like the fact that he's got Mendes at his disposal, where they can bring in players um, and the power that he has. So for me, that would be a good little way of obviously paying back some of the stadium um, and being able to have a bit of a rebuild uh, in a clear out. And Harry, unfortunately, would be one of the ones that is a catalyst because he's earned his place uh, as a Spurs legend because of the goals that he has scored. We might as well keep talking about Kane before we just jump into the season preview. And Thomas, uh, there's reports that he will report back to training uh, later in this week. But what did you make of the tactic of not turning up, um, trying to enforce or make his point when Daniel Levy supposedly said that the gentleman's agreement that he could leave never actually happened? How did Spurs get to this moment? And what did you make of uh, Harry Kane's tactics to try and force a move because of how desperate he was? I think if if there is uh, an agreement between him and David Levy, um, you know, I can understand uh, where he's coming from. Um, and, and he also knows that he's at a stage of his career. He's at his peak. Um, if he needs to win things, he has to leave Spurs because they're not going to win. Uh, sorry, Bridget. They're not going to win anything, potentially maybe the League Cup, but they're not going to win anything else for the next couple of years at least. 
and and um, and and his time is running out. You know, he needs to be at a Man City, at a top European club, uh, Liverpool, Manchester United, potentially. Who's on the up? Um, not Spurs. And uh, so I, I probably would have done the same uh, to some extent um, if if that agreement was in place because. You know he is he's he's done his bit for Spurs. You know he's he's been there through bad times as well, uh, and and been a, a club person, a little bit like Messi. You know he's shown loyalty, so you got to show him something back if that amount of money comes in because they have to take it. I agree with Swartzy. Uh, you know that's too good an offer, and they can build on that as well. They need money as well from the stadium. So yeah. I know Harry Kane is a massive admirer of Alan Shearer and I know Alan Shearer is a huge admirer of Harry Kane for what he's done. The goal scorer is a very, very, you know, similar all-rounders. And if there's any bit of advice that you could pass on and you look at Alan Shearer's trophy cabinet, um, like his goal scoring record's frightening, but that move when he could have gone to Manchester United and he went to Newcastle United to be a club legend, which he, he is, but, you know, that trophy cabinet wasn't what it wanted to be. And I think Harry Kane... They'll recognise that and that's why he's trying to force a move because you go to Manchester City, you're going to have a trophy cabinet and it could put you on that stage where you're looking at Ballon d'Or awards. Well, as we begin our season preview, we do it with Harry Kane as a Tottenham player, ironically with Manchester City playing Tottenham in the opening round of the season. Nuno says he is available. Whether he plays will be very, very interesting to see given he's only just returning to training. Uh, well, he hasn't yet by the time we record. So we're going to start this season preview looking at the pros and cons of the contenders for the Premier League this season. Look at Manchester City without Harry Kane. Possibly with Harry Kane, but Schwartzy, they've got an embarrassment of riches whether or not they get their star striker nevertheless. They do. Um, and listening you know, to Pep Guardiola after the, uh, the, the Community Shield, he was asked the question about whether or not um, he felt that you know, he needed a number nine, an out-and-out out number nine. And he said his response was the case that you know, he, he's happy with what he's got. And he, they're, they're moving forward and he's just waiting for all his players to be back fit, ready to go, which was the day after the Community Shield where everyone was back after international breaks, um, the extended breaks that they received. And, and City will possibly be a little bit slow starting like they were last season. And this is a really good, interesting game for Spurs because Spurs have done okay preseason. They look all right. Other than the Harry Kane distraction, they've been okay. So it's going to be a really good indicator to see where City, where where Spurs actually are at this moment in time, and they could cause an upset. Um, and I say upset, you know, against a Man City side that, on on normal terms, full strength, um, a good couple of weeks under their belt, I would think would brush Spurs aside. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if this one actually Spurs do get a result out of it. It's interesting, Bridget, because I joked at the start that, you know, it feels like five minutes ago that we were doing our Euro finals podcast, but that's the reality. Clubs, the big clubs in particular, have had two minutes preseason. Even Pep Guardiola said, I don't know what the point of a manager is or a coach during the preseason because I haven't had the team. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of Manchester City we do see and also how he integrates Jack Grealish. How, How does he do that when they've got, like, more creative players than you could possibly ever need in your midfield yeah well, I mean we don't see what goes on behind the scenes at Manchester City but you know when they've got the best players they'll have the best staff at their disposal as well they've they'll they'll be monitoring the players on a day-to-day basis no doubt about it to make sure they're they're getting their their resting as much as they need but still maintaining what they need to do to come back to pre-season 
Um, and you know, you, you still need, uh, you need games, you need to freshen up. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see what city do do. And again, with, with, um, Spurs, like Swartie said, the preseason that they've had has been very, very impressive. They've got a tough game against city catching them when they could be underdone. But then I look at where Spurs go next. It's, it's Wolves. It's Nuno against his old team. Then you've got Watford. Then you've got Palace. And then we come up against Chelsea. So it's a, it, I think when you look at that as a manager and a, and a coach, that's a nice little start to the Premier League season, them first four matches. And I think the I think Tottenham are far more suited and balanced because they've had a lot more players in pre-season than what Manchester City have. I think it's been very disruptive for all the players that have played in the Euros that went deep into the competition. And not only that, I look at the Spanish team uh, of the 23s in uh, the boy Pedri from Barcelona. That's another huge issue for them. He's played the Euros. He played in the Olympics and he, now he's got to get ready to gear off. He's going to be so underdone. He used to take a break, by the way. He reported, he he's reporting for, for duty this week. Let's see oh, Let's man. see what he does next summer. He will be needing a break, mate. He might need a break halfway rang. through. <laughs> did anyone notice what Bridgie did there? We, we've, we've talked about the Premier League title race discussion to open up with and Bridgie's talking about Spurs. Uh, well, the reason I was doing that because I was going to say they're going to get a really, really good start and they are not going to finish in the top four. Because well, the question is, the question is, Bridgie, are you happy with Nuno being the manager? Is he good enough to take Spurs to that next level, which no one's really been able to do? Um, Potch toyed with it, but no one else has really been. Other than that, they haven't quite gotten got there and with one of the best strikers in the world in their side who... I would say you're going to leave. It's very worrying, but what I will say, Swartzy, I like the fact that Spurs need a rebuild. He's proved that he can do it at Wolves. Um, when he was there, he's had the support. He got the budget to do it, like I said, with um, the... Uh, oh, who have I just said? The, the agents. Um, Mendes. Mendes, yeah. That, that's, a, that's a huge help. I think you've seen that from the signs that are coming in. It's a fresh lay. I didn't mind the football he actually played. It's a lot... Even though it's very similar to Mourinho, I think it's a lot more proactive... And it is. And I think he will do a good job. Can he win something? I, I don't think so. Um, because as Tottenham Hotspur, we are talking about. But I really like the fact that he has taken the job out of other candidates that were that it was offered to. I've got to say, I'm, I'm in the more pro than I am the con because there was a lot of negativity came from Spurs fans. I didn't mind it at all, to be honest with you, um, because I was trying to look at the bigger picture of what he's done and Spurs do need a rebuild. And if that's without Harry Kane, it is without Harry Kane, but he is the man that I believe has got the contacts to bring in good players um, and play a style that may suit and will suit Tottenham. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So bring it back to the title race then. Does the title race start with Harry Kane? Uh, just a one-word answer from the three of you. At Manchester City or Tottenham? Uh, Bridgie, you said you would sell him, but but is that going to happen? City. Tommy? Yeah, no, I, I would love to see him ex- at, at City. I think that will just take them that step uh, closer to the Champions League. And Schwartzy? Yeah, City. I, I don't see him saying, I suppose. 
So, Tom, what? <laughs> City were unbelievable. Hey, Bridget, you're happy with a rebuild. No, Bridget's happy with a <laughs> yeah, rebuild. He just said so you're happy with a rebuild. He's happy yeah. with average, so that's all right. <laughs> Is there any chink in City's armor, Tom? Is it going to be the slow start? We're looking at the pros and cons of these title contenders. Um, what hole can you poke in Pep Guardiola's side this year, particularly if they get Kane? And then you've got Grealish, you've got Mares, you've got Silva, you've got Foden, you've got Sterling, you've got De Bruyne, you've got Gundogan servicing that front line. Is, find a weakness for me. Otherwise, we're giving up. This is the last episode of the season. <laughs> nah, There's no think, weakness. Yeah, I think, um, you know, if they sign Harry Kane, I think they've just got... You know, they've just got that plus that they potentially didn't have last season. I know Pep wants to play without a, a, a nine and that rotation and De Bruyne, whoever, uh, can move into to, to that front. Um, but, yeah, I think the only thing I can see is if there's a little bit of unrest. Now, we've heard Bernardo Silva, you know, potentially, you know, wants to leave and... Um, you know, so if that sort of creeps in uh, a little bit, um, but I think Pep, you know, with his management skills, uh, they've sorted the back line. Now, you know, John Stones has signed a new five-year deal. You know, Ruben Diaz was uh, tremendous, uh, good goalkeeper. So all the way through, I think they've, they've got the lineup and, and add Kane to that. It, it only makes them stronger, I think. So, um, yeah, I think they, it can only be... Uh, uh, potentially Bayern, potentially PSG that could stop them uh, on a European stage. I think it's oh, Chelsea. Be, I think it's going to be a lot yeah, closer at cool. the top. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be as easy. I do think City will win the title again, especially if that Kane deal goes through. However, I do think that Man United and Chelsea are going to be a lot closer this season, pushing them all the way because mm-hmm. what Manchester United have done business-wise, I think is absolutely brilliant as well. If they can get Varane over the line, to play alongside Maguire. Sancho, I mean, Swartz used to rave about him every week when he watched him in the Bundesliga for Dortmund. I am so excited about watching this lad play for Manchester United this season. And I just feel that they can challenge. And if Chelsea get Lukaku, which it's done and dusted. Yeah, correct? Medical yeah, books away, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's um, the medical. That was the one area I felt like, as a number nine that can hold the ball up, Werner squandered a lot of chances last season. And defensively, very, very strong midfield, brilliant. Uh, and that number nine, that's going to make a huge difference. These two teams are going to challenge, and I think Liverpool are going to fall by the wayside. And I'm having Leicester as the team that will finish fourth. So I've got it down as City, Man United, Chelsea, um, and then Leicester. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Chelsea is that they've got the depth as well. Like, like a City, they could play two teams in the Premier League, and both sides would do well. Um, Chelsea's the same so they've got themselves in a great position I mean they're talking about Tammy Abraham leaving going to Roma um, Kurt Zuma could possibly be out as well looks like it. I mean they have to balance the books at some stage I think they're talking about if Harry Kane does go to Manchester City that Bernardo Silva and Gabriel Jesus will be the two that probably will leave um, to try and bring in some more cash. The thing about Harry Kane, just back to that, about going to Manchester City and you talk about the, the Man City Pep Guardiola wants to play with a false nine at times listen Harry Kane has got that in the bag. And we talked about this on the European uh, nights after the final. And I stand, I still stand by it. England underutilised Harry Kane. He was dropping too deep as a number nine and they didn't get the best out of him. He got one of the best strikers in the world and he used him as a, as a, as a playmaker and was involved in one moment of a game in the first two minutes and then the rest of it was non, non, not involved and he didn't play to his strengths. Whereas at City, he can play in that role. He's still got enough players around him making the right runs. And he will be effective, very effective. And I, and I think, 
I think he will be even a better goal scorer if he goes to, to City with the players that he has around him. That's actually a really interesting point to bring up. And uh, Johnny's not here to defend himself, so we'll, we'll go even harder on it right now. <laughs> um, because... I'm just thinking because, you know, at Spurs, he had that sort of synergy with, with Son. Um, but here he's got potentially four Sons around him to make those runs and go behind. So uh, you're saying there that if he actually does make that move and, and Pep wants to play in that fluid way, he's just going to he's just gonna slip, slip into that and almost go to another level. Yeah, I, I think that's what they see him as as well. I mean, Pep, that's why Pep Guardiola has said, that's the only guy I want because he's got the ability to play both roles. And he can he can switch in and out of it during a game. It's not like it's one or the other, like you had with Aguero. Aguero wasn't a player that would necessarily drop in that hole and be that link-up player. He couldn't really do it. Um, but get him on the edge of the ball and he'll score. And, you know, phenomenal if he was fit. Whereas Harry Kane's got the ability to do both and do both very, very well. Like I said, he's got at City and he knows it himself. I mean, he's got one of the best midfielders, best playmakers in the world in Kevin De Bruyne. So how often does he really even have to drop deep? But the interchange is crucial. I think the ability to have players like, you know, whether it's Mares, uh, Sterling, De Bruyne, whoever it is, you know, the list goes on at Manchester City, whoever swaps and changes and plays that a false number nine, they're going to be effective. They're going to be dangerous. They're going to cause the opposition problems. And Harry Kane, like I said, I, I, I think we haven't seen the best of Harry Kane if he goes to Manchester City. We'll, we'll see an even better one. So, by the way, this is the golden boot from a team that didn't finish in the top six. Can we yep. pick a can we pick a number, a lottery number? How many goals if he goes to City? How many goals? We'll, we'll take a survey. Oh, how many? Goals I, I can see. Goals? I could see him getting over forty goals if he goes to City. What oh, in all competitions? Yeah, 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 oh, okay. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, easy. I could, I could see him getting over that easy, and I, and I don't think the assist column will be anywhere near as high as it was at Spurs. I'll say thirty, thirty plus. He'll get into the Shearer and Kevin Phillips category. Yeah, uh, the dice, I can see him. Uh, I can see him getting twenty in the Premier League. Um, uh, oh, easy. I think easy. Yeah, um, and then obviously, yeah, you can add ten, fifteen on top of that. So yeah, thirty, thirty-five. Let's not get carried away. Davy's not there yet. You guys have convinced us. You guys have convinced us. We're talking almost in fact. Tommy, when, when Bridget was mentioning Manchester United, I couldn't tell whether you just didn't like what he was saying or whether you were, you were squirming. I saw your face. This is the beauty. Yeah. Of the, the punters can't see your face, but I can. You disagree. Yeah, I, I still got my doubts. You know, you're still leaning on a Cavani who's uh, turning 35 uh, up front. You know, obviously you got Rashford. Uh, you know, you got you, you got Greenwood. You 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 got young players and and Sancho. I'm I'm excited to. Yeah, I can't wait to see him in the. Well, Premier that was League definitely and, not and, a uh, negative because that sounded very very nice to me. Yeah, yeah, I know, but um, I still think they're lacking a little bit. Uh, you know, holding midfielder. If they can yeah. get De- Declan Rice. Uh, I think that they'll be set. Um, but I, I, I still, you know, you were, you were, you're not happy with Liverpool. Uh, you know, they finished the season strong. They got Van Dijk back, uh, Gomez. Um, you know, they're just a lot stronger. I know they've lost Wijnaldum, but uh, Henderson potentially uh, should be back. And they're back at Anfield with fans. I think that that's a massive thing for them. Um, so actually, with, with, the, with the finish they had to the season, I got Liverpool above Man United. Oh, I also don't not, not forget with Liverpool, the, the issue they have at the moment is uh, Robinson being out as well. So that, that, is, that is a bit of a, uh, Robinson being out injured is a bit of an inju- a bit of a worry because he is, 
you know, he's a phenomenal player for them and a very important link-up player and provider of opportunities. So that that's a little bit of a worry. I think it's even more of a worry than what they had last season with, with the two centre-halves being out. You think, yeah, potentially. With, with with the squad, Tom, I was actually talking thinking about Liverpool the other day where they've obviously let Vinaldum go. Thiago might come in to replace him. I know they've got some youngsters. Jones was excellent at Pires last year as well, if, if they're looking for that same kind of player. But uh, Thiago, even with Spain and then through the last, he didn't look like a natural fit coming from Bayern, even though we came with such big hype. Um, you confident that that question is is going to be fine for Liverpool? That the front three are going to fire again this season? Front four, if you want to call it that, with Jota and, and you know the, the options there. Um, you know, if we talk about the, the, there's still a few question marks. The irony being last year's weakness of their defence is now probably their strength because they've got Van Dijk back, Gomez back, and all the all the signings they made too. Yeah, no, I, I agree with uh, you know he has to step up in, in in midfield. I think he he was he wasn't he wasn't great at the Euros uh, coming on for Spain a few times. Thiago, he, he didn't make a difference really, uh, other than you know he was just passing it sideways. Um, but I, I still think you know they they got still one of the best managers in the world. Um, you know, and and um, what what gives me confidence in Liverpool is the way they finished last season. Yes, they didn't have a, a, a great all round season, but the last ten games, uh, I think they were unbeaten, and um, you know that's something. And they again. You know, a lot of players that come into this season fresh as well, um, and and that's uh, equally as important. Where where other teams will will have players who've, who've had a you know Euros, uh, Olympics, uh, all that on top. Um, so I think Robertson again, it doesn't look like it's too serious. Uh, it's not like a season-ending injury, so they'll have him back at some point, and uh, uh, I, I still see them as as, as contenders. I was going to say, Tommy, I've, I've spoke to a lot of Liverpool fans and they were really, really devastated that Ginny had gone. They're a massive fan of Ginny. Yeah. What he does going forward, uh, the goals that he, the important goals he got for them, the attacking style that he he had when he was elected, you know, a bit more license to go forward. I was so impressed with him. And I think that's a massive loss because Thiago and Henderson, very, very similar, you know, ball players where they, like you say, they'll go side to side, they'll try and recycle, break down attacks of the opposition. I feel that position where Ginny's been left, let go, they haven't fulfilled that and replaced that because he, he's going to be a huge loss for them and going forward. Yeah, we've got the front three, we've got Jota, but Ginny, the, the fans were absolutely gutted, really, really hurt them when they saw him go. I think also you'll see a different Liverpool side because, look, the last 10 games of the season, what Thomas has been referring to, is the moment when Jurgen Klopp finally saw sense and went, Fabinho is one of the best holding midfielders in the world, which he said after the after the Champions League game and when they beat RB Leipzig and that how much they missed him. And then the very next league game, they put him back at centre-half. And Liverpool struggled with him being there at centre-half towards you know the mid mid part to up until the last 10 games of the season didn't work anymore for them they lost too much in midfield without him being there and at the fact that Henderson was out then obviously got injured as well so that was a massive blow you played too many players out of position so when he went with Phillips um and uh, and Reese Williams as center half it worked for being back in midfield so now replace Phillips replace um uh Reece Williams and you put Virgil van Dijk, Gomez back at centre-halves. You've got two top-class centre-halves with Fabinho in front. And whether it's Henderson, whether it's Thiago, Liverpool are back to where they were. And the front three are going to get so many more opportunities now. 
there's that link up was missing last season and it only came back into play once Fabinho went back in midfield. I've, uh, can I change my top four? Because <laughs> <laughs> Thomas on, and Swartzy have sold it very, very well because I had Leicester getting in a, ahead of Liverpool. Tommy's, Tommy nailed it. And it's back at Anfield. Liverpool are back at home with fans. They're gonna they're, they're gonna stay in the top four. Leicester will not get in there. Yeah, thanks, oh, boys. Good change of heart. And do you know what else understated? I mean, Mane and Salah haven't had a Euros. They haven't had Olympics. Yeah, they're yeah. gonna be fresh. They've had a preseason. Coming in fresh. Yeah. They're gonna come back at their athletic best with the you know with, with all the, the 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 technique as well. So they might finish um, third actually. <laughs> <laughs> Keep talking. Be <laughs> while Bridgie while Bridgie goes back on his uh, goes back on his tips and checks the checks the slip. Um, Manchester United and Chelsea just to finish off there. We heard from Thomas. Doubts about Manchester United. Schwartzy, um, your thoughts there. Solskjaer's had a year now. He's got the contract. He knows he's got the backing. He's been backed in the market. Does he get that trophy? Does he get that trophy? Does he get that trophy? Any trophy? Does he peg the gap to the to, to Manchester City? I still, I mean, listen, I hear a lot of people over here, um, various pundits saying they need a centre half and need another attacking player. I mean, Listen, I think, like, like Bridgie said earlier on, I'm a big fan of Jaden Sancho. I thought he's been, he's been brilliant at Dortmund. But I still think they've missed the boat. I still think, I think Thomas mentioned it, holding midfield player. Mm-hmm. They definitely need another midfield player and also a number nine. I mean, listen, I reckon everyone should put some money together and let Haaland go to Manchester United just so it becomes more competitive. And all of a sudden, we're going to have three or four or five teams really competing. Because you imagine Haaland there, Kane at Man City, Lukaku at Chelsea, um, you know, Messi's at PSG, Bayern have got, you know, Lewandowski, of course, Juve, Ronaldo out in his wheelchair. And then, mate, how brilliant is it going to be, honestly? Let, let's hope that that uh, Haaland goes to Manchester United. Haaland will not go to Manchester United for two reasons. One is his dad hates Manchester United, Alfie. And two... He hates Manchester United. Yeah, as but well. do you do you reckon he will though? Like, I, I don't know. Is it is it really like that? Still, like, is he going to turn it down for that? Man United are smart. They waited for Sancho. It saved them a lot of money because you know Dortmund have got that handshake agreement with their players. Stay one more year, and you can get your. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, they waited for Sancho. They did that. I think there's going to be a lot of teams scrambling for Holland. I think um, would would he go would he go to buy Munich over Manchester United? I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting one because he has been linked now. There's talk. Um, there, you know, Bayern, Sully Halimacic has been asked about him and said, of course we like him. Of course we would be interested, but he's a Dortmund player and everything else. Um, the way the Germans do business over there as well is, is very different to what we see over in England or very much, very much most other parts around Europe is that they do it in a very proper way and make contact with the club and they negotiate and they generally before the end of the season already announce they've signed a player and they've got six months still to play, which is just incredible next season. Um, I, I Listen, don't, don't put it beyond buying. I mean, they are more than capable to do it. If they need to do it and they want to do it, they could get it done. Would Harlan go? With Lewandowski in there as well. Well, because Lewandowski, but listen, it's the ruthlessness of the game, isn't it? I mean, Lewandowski is in incredible shape, uh, form. But what Bayern didn't, what Bayern got into a, a trap, fell into a trap a couple of years back where they waited too long to replace players. 
rather than still replacing players when they're still at their peak and they may play one or two more years at that level, maybe even three years, but they've replaced them already with the next generation, with the next top players, and they fell off the pace, especially in European football a little bit. Certainly not in domestic football, but they, they did Europe in the European scene. And then, then all of a sudden there's a big influx of young players coming through again. So they're very much conscious about not making the same mistakes, holding on to players too long. Lewandowski obviously is an exception to the rule. And ultimately, if he keeps scoring, keeps staying fit, he's difficult to replace. But if they go and get Haaland, there's no doubt in my mind they'll play Haaland ahead of Lewandowski if they go out and spend that sort of money on Haaland. Uh, yeah, so to, am I right in saying that has he got a, a transfer um, fee kicking in from next season? Uh, yes. Yes, it reduces heavily. Like it's about 74 or okay. 75 million um, euros. So it drops yeah, down dramatically. Like so Dortmund, yeah. Dortmund, you know, listen, I mean, Dortmund, what, they, what do they pay for him? Um, was it 18 or 20 million or 28 million or something like Very little. Mm. I mean, it was still a lot of money. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not, it's not huge. Mm. And... They've got, I think there's a buyout clause or something like 75 million, I think it is, as of next season. So they're prepared. All the teams know that as well. All the teams know that as well. Of course they do. Because it's Dortmund. They they do the handshake. You've seen that happen with Sancho. They say to players, give us that one more year out of use. And then that clause kicks in. So it's a, it's a, I think it's a very, very honest approach to what they do, but they actually allow it to happen. Clubs know that. And it's just. It's the model, isn't it? It's a model. It's going to be a lottery for teams next season. You know, that's the thing. That's what that's what teams want to try and avoid. So if they if they're trying to get Haaland now, they'd rather pay fifty million more um, to avoid that lottery, to avoid the the scrap then to try and get a signature, maybe five, six, seven clubs rather than just them being the standalone club prepared to pay over the top to get you know to get a player that what is he twenty two years old? Um, so you know, and his goal scorer is he sixty and sixty? He scored. Yeah. It's not a bad going, is it? Hat trick again, his first game, eh? In the cup, unbelievable. Yeah. So, listen, there's, it's especially in the Bundesliga for Bayern Munich, it, it's a sure thing. It's a no-brainer. If they can make it work, I mean, I'd be very, very surprised if they wouldn't be doing everything they possibly can to sign him because it's a no-brainer. He's a proven goal scorer in the Bundesliga. And it would make buying a better side. A quick one from me. If I had the option of 150 million for Kane at his age and 150 million for Haaland. Well, of course. There's no brainer. I would take yeah. Haaland. Yeah. Of course you would. Or if you can't get either of them at, the, at that moment, and Haaland's uh, 22 in about 10 days. So bang on, Schwartzy. If you can't get those two, you go get Romelu Lukaku, don't you? Now, you kept me 43 minutes waiting to talk about Romelu Lukaku, gents. But as <laughs> we record, the deal is just about done. For some $132 million more than Chelsea sold him for all those years ago. It, it, that's the hard thing. That's the hard thing to digest Isn't for it? me. It, 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 like, listen, I'm a massive fan. I think you know, he's a top guy. I, I, I was there at Chelsea when he was, yeah, when he was still young, knocking on the door. But they, they sold him. And it's a bit like Man United with Paul Pogba. I just hope that that doesn't happen to them. I don't think it will. Lukaku, for me is a better player in his position than Paul, Pug- Paul Pogba is in his position. If, you know, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, and what, what is he as a person? Like you obviously know him better. He seems like a, a great person. It, it, listen, across, really. a, a lot of the Belgian guys, you know, whether it's Kevin De Bruyne, Eden Hazard, um, you know, I was very fortunate to play a lot, you know, alongside uh, with um, Lukaku. They're, they're very, very 
uh, very, very confident in their own ability. Um, you know, it's that bordering along arrogance, but it's a good thing because they're so good at what they do and they know they're so good at what they do and they're able to deal with pressure. I mean, Romelu took some time, certainly at Chelsea, when he first arrived. I mean, he was, he was a million miles off the pace, really, when he first arrived. I remember playing, um, I was at Fulham at the time, we played against Chelsea in a cup game and uh, at Stamford Bridge and Romelu was start of the game. And, and honestly, it was... He looked like a fish out of water, like Bambi on ice. He was he was so off the pace and he got substituted in the game, had hardly an impact at all. And the evolution of him, the way he evolved, um, going out alone, doing what he did at West Brom, then going to Everton, obviously made him into the player that he became. It's a bit like the Salah thing, isn't it? It's a bit like Salah leaving Chelsea for, for a nominal kind of fee, going away, doing incredibly well, and obviously Liverpool bought him. But it had had Chelsea done the same thing, or Kevin De Bruyne, same thing. There's a number of players that have done Chelsea have done that too. Um, and the thing is, I suppose, when you look at Chelsea, you go, okay, you know what? We got that one wrong. And maybe he was never going to develop into the player that he is today had he have stayed here because of the limited opportunities to play because of the players he was coming up against. So he had to go away for them to bring him back again. And even though they have to pay over the odds for him, they pay over the odds for him. But they're prepared to do so because you're guaranteed a certain number of goals. Mm-hmm. I'll keep this one short. Personality, I was just going to say, Shorty, can, can you see from his personality that you knew then how he's become the elite striker that he is now? Oh, was yeah. There no doubt that he wasn't going to Go off that. You can you can hear it now when he talks. There's times where he's talking about how he feels he doesn't get the respect that he deserves, that he feels like that he's not regarded as one of the best players, best strikers on the planet. People talk about Lewandowski, Ronaldo, whatever it is, Messi, Harry Kane. They don't talk about Lukaku in the same breath. And and more recently, towards the back end of the season, he he was quite outspoken about that and about how he felt that people underrated him and didn't give him the credit he deserved. Um, and and it certainly comes across at times as arrogant. And but he just he's got incredible amounts of self belief. And the way that he's evolved and the, the records, his records speak for themselves. So he's gone, you know, even at, even at United, people people talk about how it didn't work out for him. He was still, for me, I, I said at the time, they were mad to get rid of him. I said they should have kept him and got rid of Pogba at the time. And and and, and, I, and I think I'm right still. I think that's a, that would have been the right decision. I think he would have been the player that he was then at uh, Inter Milan at Manchester United. I think they completely mis- misread the situation. They made the wrong decision. Um, and hopefully that'll benefit Chelsea now. Um, so I'm not surprised um, because he had everything. It's just whether or not he could fine-tune it, whether he could get it under control, whether he could deliver on the big stage. And he's showing that he has been able to do it, hence the reason why Chelsea's prepared to go out and spend that sort of money on him. It's amazing. It makes him cumulative transfers, the most expensive player in football history, going past Neymar, when you add up all the various high-profile transfers he's had. Um, everyone talked about Chelsea probably knocking on the door after the Champions League win last year. Are they the biggest threat to Manchester City? What does Lukaku's addition, Bridgie, do to this side in terms of elevating them to the next level with more time to prepare under Tuchel than coming in you know, with a four months left in the season last year? Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited by Lukaku um, for for the reason that I, I admire him so much, Swartzy has talked about his qualities on the field. I didn't know how amazing he was off the field as well. Just to see him in the Premier League, again, playing at the I'd say the best football I've seen him play in his career, 
That is absolutely so exciting for the Premier League. It's exciting for the Chelsea fans as well, because that is that one position where I felt last season Chelsea could have really put their authority down if they had had that number nine. Werner was missing too many chances, Dave. This guy will give them a completely different dimension as a number nine who can run. I mean, Werner's quick, don't get us wrong. This guy has the strength, the ability, plays with his back to goal as well. Um, I'll, I like what he is all about. Are they going to challenge? I've said it's going to be so much closer at the top of this title challenge between Manchester United, Chelsea and uh, Manchester City. I've gone with City, United and Chelsea. I honestly think you could probably, if the if Kane deal doesn't go through, you could throw them three up and just say, you know what it is, I'm just going to enjoy watching this title race. I don't think it's going to be as plain sailing as everybody thinks because... I feel that that was the one piece of the jigsaw that Tuchel has looked at, where he said, I know what I need, I know what I want. Here's a list of the players in that number nine position, and he, he's got his man. Um, because everywhere else, I feel they're very, very, very strong. And under Tuchel, he's shown that he can go and win things, um, unlike Frank. Frank gave them a, a great stability. Uh, he brought the youngsters through and nurtured them. But Tuchel's shown that to be the world-class, top-class manager, you've got to be able to deal with the egos. This man knows how to do it. And you you could see his style of play straight away. That's where Solskjaer is let down as well. So that's what he doesn't have. I don't think he has the ability to deal with the big personalities. I think we've seen that at United. He hasn't dealt with a goalkeeping situation well. Um, he hasn't come to a decision on that. Um, I, I, think, I, I think it's between City and Chelsea. And I think... If Chelsea do get Lukaku, which looks like it's going to be done, and say City don't get Kane, I actually think Chelsea will have enough to to win the league, um, and they could be quite a bit ahead. And you know, depending on how players have recovered from the from the Euros for Chelsea, because obviously Chelsea had a lot of players playing, whether it was Euros, whether it was playing away uh, in different parts of the world, whether it's Pulisic with the USA, whatever. You know, the, the guys have been out and about a lot. Um, but I, you know, I think I think Chelsea. This is their season when they've got a big, big chance to really, really go for it and and back up the Champions League win, which came as a little bit of a surprise, um, for sure. And uh, Tuchel's got he's got something over Pep at the moment, mm-hmm. and he knows the big games. He knows how to deal with the big, big name players, like you said, Bridgie. And he's got, he's certainly got big name players at Chelsea. It's going to be bloody exciting either way. Yeah, no, I, I, and I agree. And I, I think that the way, you know, the pressure that Lukaku will take off Werner, so then he becomes a complementary piece. You, you're mm-hmm. looking at Havertz, who, who, who's going to take another step. He, he's looking to, to, to build confidence. Uh, Sieg has, has looked, uh, you know, mm-hmm. good in preseason. Um, and, and yes, you still got Kante. You, st- you still got that great midfield, uh, um, you know, Jorginho. Jorginho. Yeah. I think they're then- really, really going to struggle them too. the the thing is what's interesting what you said there um thomas havertz and werner for example certainly with havertz the the price tag last season i think weighed a lot on his shoulders then he got covid you know during covid times was so much more difficult for these guys let's not forget our young years as well right so he's only he's he's only a very young man still so I, i think the change was massive for him um, the circumstances, COVID, everything else, price tag. Now you've got Lukaku who's going to be a bigger price tag. He's going to be Chelsea's record signing. He's got big enough shoulders to, to, to carry that. 
Whereas I think Havertz, it was weighing massively on him, um, all the expectation. And we did see him show more consistency towards the end of the season, almost like, right, I've got nothing to lose now. I've got to go out there. The manager keeps backing me, keeps giving me enough opportunities. I've got to give something. It's got to find something. Whereas Werner struggled still a bit with it. But you're right. I think Lukaku is going to take so much pressure off these guys. And Lukaku loves it. So do City have a weakness? If they don't get Kane. Yes. Yes. Definitely. I, I think they become a little bit too predictable. Um, and, they, and they've only got one way of playing then. Uh, that's the issue for me. I like to see a team that's got a couple of different ways to play, you know, falling back on different type of systems. And Chelsea will certainly have that with Lukaku in their side. City, they don't have Harry Kane. They don't have, for me, they don't have the, the ability to change things too much. Thomas has talked about Man United having a weakness, he felt. Do Chelsea have a weakness? If I don't see one, it's hard to see. You know, cooks in guys. How do you fit all the cooks in? Well, the interesting, you know, that's the thing as well. That's the challenge, obviously. Uh, Tuchel has is is how does he deal with all the big name players? How does he keep everyone on board? How does he keep everyone happy? The the, the interesting thing is only for me this season um, is how Edward Mendy performs because last season there wasn't a lot of expectation. Um, he was an unknown, come in right. A little bit of money, really, to spend on a goalkeeper these days. And it's almost like, right, we, and I, I remember speaking to Petr Cech about it. He's got the ability. It's whether or not he can deal with the the the, the club, whether he can deal with the pressure. And certainly he's come through in that fight, flying colours. There's no doubt about it at all. So the second season, as Thomas will tell you as well, and, and Bridget, you, you, you'll know exactly the same thing. You performed at a level, you exceeded expectation. Now, all of a sudden, the bar is at a certain level now. Okay, right. Now, that's what that's the expectation. So, can he then reach those levels now from this next season and perform at that level week in, week out and deliver the Premier League title, which is what Chelsea will be demanding as well? Interesting. I didn't expect some doubts over Mendy there. So, that's, that's an interesting thought there and one to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's not that I've got a doubt necessarily. Um, it's it's just a logical kind of next thought. Okay, where do I look at Chelsea and go? Okay, wh- where is their potential for for a weakness? And and for me, it still is in that goalkeeping position only because he's so new and he's still a lot. Un- you know, a lot of him is unknown still, and he was phenomenal for Chelsea last season. Now it's more difficult, I believe, always the second season around. I think it's always a lot more difficult when people have a certain expectation of your performances. Yeah, so we found we found a hole in we found a potential hole in Chelsea. So you guys have convinced me that this title race is well and truly on this year. You've all gone with City, but we've got some complete conjecture over. We don't know whether Harry Kane's coming, so that's a big asterisk. Schwartz has got Chelsea second. Bridgie had Manchester United second. Let's go through your top fours. Who, what's yours, Bridgie? Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, and it was Leicester. But after listening to you three guys, oh, I've gone with Bridget. So easily swayed. Yeah. Always, always. <laughs> At least we can't say City on the fence. It just jumps off. It. I'm going to stick with Leicester. There you go. I'll stick with Leicester. Oh, wow. Oh. Hang, on, hang on. I've got to confirm this because if this goes on the social media graphics, I want your right version out there, Bridgie. I said it last night. Yeah, I'm going to. This is your third shot. We're giving you three shots at this in more than 45 minutes. I've missed a lot of chances and a lot of shots in my time. So, third one I will take City, Manchester United, Chelsea, Leicester. There you go. And Thomas completely disagrees with that. 
yeah, um, I, I definitely, I've got City as well and, and with Kane for sure. Uh, I think Chelsea is a lot closer, like Swartzy said. Uh, so I've got them second. Um, then I've got Liverpool and then I've got Man United because I still have question marks and I still think uh, Solskjaer as well is, is, is a little bit of a question mark. So uh, I've got them fourth. And we haven't even spoken, I mean, to just to, before, while I get yours, Swartzy, I mean, we, you mentioned Pogba two or three times, but that whole midf- midfield thing that Thomas talked about, it comes down to that again. It's the Fernandez-Pogba protection in behind. It's not the same as France. That, that whole thing still is there, despite all the signings. So that, I guess, will influence, uh, I would imagine, part of your top four as well. It will, yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I always, I mean, listen, I haven't officially said that Manchester City are going to win the league, have I? So I, I, I'm, what I'm saying is I, I think because Chelsea are, are pretty much guaranteed Lukaku's thing is done. Unless there's a, there's a, there's a major issue with his medical, which you, I can't see that even being possible, he's done. So I, I'm actually going to say, and I know people are going to say, oh, it's his old club, and of course he's going to say it. But I, I think winning the Champions League last season, um, with the season that they had, the, in five months, this guy's come in and pulled a squad of players together that were so disjointed, so divided, and he's created this, this unity amongst the players. And he did it at PSG. He did it incredibly well at PSG. Um, and, and I think, I actually think with Lukaku as the addition, and I, I, I'm going to say Mendy's going to play well, even though I've still got a question mark over it. So I'm going to say Chelsea's going to win the league and Manchester City going to finish second. And then it's, then it's probably United than Liverpool. Hey, Schwartz, you did not have to pay your late fee by telling me, Chelsea, we were going to win the league and butter it up. And make <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm confident. I'm confident. You look at Chelsea's squad, and I know Manchester City's got a phenomenal squad as well. But I, I, I mean, Tuchel's got it over Guardiola at the moment and has for, for, for some time. Um. Yeah, I, I, I fancy it. I, I really do. Swartzy, when you were talking then, you were talking about Chelsea. The, the the listeners won't be able to see, obviously, our reactions on here, but to see you and hear you talking like that, I'm watching Dave Wiener on the Zoom camera. His there was face sparkles. Just, sparkles. Oh, sparkles. <laughs> <laughs> it's me back. This face cannot sparkle. Look at this face. It doesn't Dave. sparkle, but it comes close but, to whatever that is. You know, I think the key is as well, you know, when you've got such a good squad and, and, and Chris Tuchel has shown the last five months, well, last five months of last season is that how well he's able to unify the squad. He's going to need everyone because he, he, he wants to perform on every level. Right. So with Pep, there's already cracks evolve you know sort of appearing in terms of whether you know whether um um jesus stays i mean you can't be happy if harry kane is always talking about harry kane coming in jesus uh, sorry aguero is gone jesus still finds himself on the bench because they're playing false number nines and jesus is not playing he's playing torres up front instead of jesus um bernardo silva a lot of talk of him going there is a bit of disharmony i think some players are not quite happy because they don't feel like the manager really 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 backs them laporte's going to be an interesting one because he went with diaz and stones and i don't think laporte's going to be a happy happy bunny sitting on the bench regularly for for man city and i know he does do his rotation thing but i still don't know if that's going to be enough for some players whereas at chelsea again whether or not into this into his sort of kind of the new season, are the players going to be happy with that rotation? But what I've seen at Chelsea is every time he does it, the players are up for it and the unity they showed, the performances towards the back end of last season 
And Lukaku, yeah, for me, Chelsea. Bring it on. Bring it on. Now, we yeah. no surprise. We've absolutely, the four of us have absolutely blown on for about 40 minutes on the title race, but I'm, I'm alive and kicking for the season. So it's good for everybody. We still want to touch on a bit of the other stuff. So we're going to surge through that now before this recording uh, dies on us in a little bit. Um, but fantastic stuff. Great predictions. And I'm absolutely pumped for the season from there. Now, Bridgie, you nearly waylaid our early discussion by getting Spurs into the title chat. So now I'm going to ask you guys, who are the teams knocking on the door? You've mentioned Leicester. You've prematurely mentioned Spurs. I want to get a bit of a gist for, are we going to get a repeat of the Leicester West Ham? Um, let's call it fairy tale last year where they both performed and kept the season really, really interesting for long parts. Um, to you first, Bridgie, I'm, I mean, we touched on Spurs. You, yeah, you I'm going to keep, Leicester. It, Why keep Leicester? it short and sweet. I just like what Rodgers is all about. I like the fact that Leicester in the charity shield um, showed that they could nullify Manchester City. They got the result. They got the penalty. Inacho, a player that I very, very much admire now. He's coming into his own. Um, it looks like a superb replacement for Vardy when his legs finally run out, which I don't think they're going to. Um, is, I think it was Fofan got a nasty injury. Is that correct? Fofana, yeah. 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 Next year he's back. Yeah, that, that wasn't that wasn't pretty. But I, I really like what they're about. I think they can go again. Whereas I look at West Ham, um, under Moyes, I don't think they're going to be able to repeat what they were about this season. Um, and as for Spurs and Arsenal, I think both clubs are going to have much better seasons this year than they did last season. No, no doubt about it. So I think if there's anybody that's going to be fallen by the wayside, West Ham is my pick. And why is that? Do you, if that would happen, Thomas, do you, do you fancy them sticking around? Do you think Moyes can keep them solid enough? Is, is Lingard an X factor that they maybe haven't quite uh, replaced that people, you know, he really took them to another level when he went there last year? No, I think he added to it. You know, he obviously came in with a bang and and, and scored goals and assists. And, uh, you know, I think for, for them, uh, you know, I still, I'm not a big fan of, of Moyes. I think, yeah, you know, even though he did he, he did well last season, I have to take the hat off to him. Uh, and, and they've got some good players in the squad. But uh, a second season syndrome, uh, you know, can he yeah. keep the, the, the fire under the kettle? Uh, I'm not too sure. I don't think they've added enough. Uh you know, they need to keep hold of, of the Declan Rice. Uh, mm. you know, they worry me check. defensively. Yeah, I, I still think uh, that they'll be in that running. They'll be in with Leeds, uh, Tottenham, uh, Arsenal. I'm sure they'll be in, in that top half. But, you know, to, to have a chance to break in like the, in the top four like they did last season, no, nah, I can't see it. I, I only see Leicester as, as, a, as a possible chance if they have a, a, a really good season. So they've got Europa League to worry about. Arsenal do not, Schwarty. Is this the opportunity for them to, to get that midweek momentum? I mean, it worked for Chelsea four or five years ago when they dropped out of Europe entirely too and Conte rebuilded them. Yeah, um, but, but, but Chelsea had a far, a far better, better squad, squad than Arsenal. I mean, Chelsea just... Chelsea capitulated the season before. It was players... <laughs> they didn't have to change very much other than a manager and the players reacted. So I just don't think you compare the situations. Yes, certainly I think Arsenal, it would probably help them a bit. Ben White, you know, is he a good signing? 50 million? I don't know. Um, he's I think he's a good player. Sorry? He is absolutely outstanding. Leeds... I don't think he's a good player, but is he 50 million? You know, is, is Arsenal able to spend 50 million on a player like that you know i, I don't know i don't know the, the question for me is as well is if arsenal get uh, james madison because that's not going away that's 
supposedly James Madison has also indicated he would be up for the move, um, which is interesting. So uh, he's a he's a he's a good character as well. I like him. I've, I've interviewed him a few times after the game. He's he's very very thoughtful, very uh, switched on, um, and not a stock standard answer of questions. And he seems like a real character. And I, I I'd like him to. I'd like to see him at Arsenal. Actually, I'd like to see the challenge, how he t- how he took on the challenge of playing at Arsenal. Because let's let's be honest, right? Leicester are far better than Arsenal, man for man. What they've accomplished, even if you talk about, I mean, stadiums, <clears throat> training complexes. I mean, I don't think anyone comes close to Leicester's training complex um, around Europe at the moment. I mean, because it is the latest, and but it's it, it is incredible. But in terms of names, clubs, stature, Arsenal still are on paper a bigger club, and I think. For, for someone like James Madison, I think he he is someone that could lead a charge for Arsenal, but they he, him alone is not enough. But I think he could still make a big difference with Aubameyang, um, Lacazette, you know, these guys, um, Smith Rowe, you know, they've got Saka, they've got some exciting, exciting plays. They just need that link-up player. And James Madison, I think, could be that player. But can we can we agree that uh, the honeymoon is over now? I think the pressure pressure is on Arteta now. They have to they have to produce. Uh, mm. You know, he has to do a lot better. He has to show that they're, you know, they they're moving in the right direction. And uh, you know, especially with no Europe, so they they'll be fresh, uh, have an advantage over you know a fair few of the other teams. So, yeah. So for honeymoon period is you know, certainly well and truly be, over with. Yeah. Is it still fair, guys, to call it a, t- a big six? Is it is it a big four and now Spurs and Arsenal have to earn their stripes to get back into that echelon? Or as you hinted, Schwartz, do you still see Arsenal having that stature that a, a player like Madison would leave a European club in Leicester to go to yeah, they Yeah, they would. I still think players will leave other clubs, like the, the rest of the clubs, for likes of an Arsenal or even a Tottenham, right? But, but I still think... It is, it is only a top four. I don't think it is a top... Well, maybe it's a top five because Leicester, Leicester is certainly in the top five for me. And they're, I, I think they're almost a banker to be top five at the very least, right? Um, and then there's the rest. And, 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 and we've not talked about them yet. And, and I'm also going to say that I think Villa are an outside chance to be there or thereabouts again this season. I, I like what they've done. You know, Buendia, I think he's an exciting player. It'd be interesting to see, you know, he didn't do it quite do it at, at Norwich in the, in the Premier League, but did very incredibly well in the Championship. So it's another step up, of course, but he got better players around him than he did over at Norwich. The other player I really like is another player that played in the Bundesliga, Leon Bailey. He's rapid. He's rapid. He's he's physically strong, and he'll get on the end of things and he'll score goals. So, I think he adds a bit extra to them as well. Um, the old the old head Ashley Young, I think, is a good good signing to add to that quality in in the in the Premier League. So, uh, I I think Villa are, uh, again are a side that are going to do well. So you're on Mob Thomas. Uh, they're not as they might have a better team, even though they've lost their superstar. Yeah, I think they have. Um, um, I, I think they're they're really set up. They've uh, they've got a good squad. Uh, like Swartz said, Danny Ings. We we, we have to yes. Uh, we have to think about him as well. You know, he's come in. I think he 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 just adds something extra along. Uh, you know, what's um, up front and. 
yeah, you know, Martinez and goal. I, th- I think all the way through, they're you know they're they're looking strong, and I think they they can live without Grealish. Um, you know, it's not like it's Messi who's left Aston Villa. You know, you know Grealish is is a very good player. We we can't get around it, but uh, you know he he's not the only uh, reason why Villa has done well, and um, oh. and they've got a lot of the youth system as well. The the, the youth team won. Um, you know the, the 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 youth cup last season, so they've got great players coming through as well that can add a little bit extra. So I, I see Villa as, as definitely in that top half. I, I think it gives an opportunity now that um, Jack Grealish has gone for other players to shine to to take now the responsibility on because I think beforehand it was pretty much just on Jack Grealish's shoulders. Uh, John McGinn important that he stays fit. You know, um, the combination of Buendia, McGinn, Traore, listen, I think he's going to get better. He's a talented player. Still a bit rough around the edges, but I still think there's more to come. And, of course, what, you know, Thomas mentioned, Danny Ings. You know, he's he's a player that certainly, and there's no disrespect to Southampton, is a better player than at Southampton. Is is Villa the next step up? I think so. Um and I think he he will he will be a big a big threat and a, and a big plus for for Villa. At Everton, uh, Carlo Ancelotti surprised them. Got his job back at Madrid. Rafa Benitez comes in, polarizing appointment, uh, both in terms of style and his history. And is that is that is that going to work? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I think I think a lot of it hinges on on uh, on the start. I think you know obviously the fans will be there watching uh, with the history. Uh, it's a club that's had five managers in five years. Uh, you, you know, it's they've, yeah, they've, there's been a few question marks over the squad character uh, over the at least last season. They still got good good players there. Ben Godfrey is, is I think, is a great talent. Uh, Ricarlison up front. Uh, James Rodriguez, can you get the best out of him? I, I, I've got question marks. I think they're a team that could sink uh, if they don't get a good start. Yeah, with the crowd there too. Jeez, that, that could be a I, I remember yeah. being it. I think it was that no, was before you were there, Schwartz, when, when Rafa was at Stamford Bridge and uh, was it a nil or draw when he was the caretaker? And um, ugh, the crowd turned on him because of his style of play. If that happens at Everton, it's just going to be a, a tore little run there. Rafa, Rafa was still hoping for lockdown without the fans when he took over Everton. Believe you me, he has got to win something in his reign for the fans to accept him. Otherwise, he will never be accepted. Yeah, I mean, you you, you look at I think one of the preseason games, they lost 4 0, didn't they? To, was it, who was it, Man United? Just yeah. this week? I, I think, think so, so. Yeah. 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 And 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 there were sections of the Everton fans already giving him grief. Um, it's it's a. I mean, listen. If anyone's going to be able to handle it, he's going to be able to handle it, right? So he did the Chelsea thing. Fans turned on him. He's able to handle it. He's not going to like it, but he'll be able to handle it. I just look at the signings. You know, I mean, obviously the purse strings have been tight, and they, in theory, they've got a good squad. They've got a, 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 they've got some really good players. You know, listen. I like Alan. I think he's a really good player. Um, we haven't seen the best of him at Everton. Moise King back. You know, are we going to see the Moise Keane that performed incredibly well at PSG? There's there's certainly an opportunity for him there. Andros Townsend, is it now too late in his career? You know, I think he's, I've always been a big fan of him. I thought he's, you know, a really talented player, but didn't quite go on to that next level. Dear Murray Gray, I was with him at Leicester. Again, another talented, talented player. We signed him from Birmingham City. Just 
didn't take that next step up. Um, I don't think they're necessarily going to take Everton any further than what they did accomplish last season. And let's be honest, they were disappointing. Considering the investment they've made, they've been very, very disappointing. And their home record, my God, they can't do that with the crowds there. Um, speaking of crowds, Bridgie, Ellen Road, you must be so excited to see what happens with the fans who get to go. Welcome Marcelo Bielsa into a Premier League stadium for the first time. Great insight from you on the Optusport app this week about why you think it will not be second year syndrome. Can you, and everyone can jump on and have a read of that uh, during the week. Can you explain to us in, 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 a, in a sentence why you believe it's onwards and upwards for Leeds? I think if we, Leeds had a lost Bielsa, it could have been. Um, Bielsa doesn't have mediocrity. He doesn't um, accept second best. The players know that. The staff know that. He's got everybody on their toes. And I feel that with the with what he brings to Leeds United, the fitness levels, the the, the players understand their roles now. And obviously the Barcelona Furpo coming in as well, um, I thought was a fantastic signing. Bring it, bringing that in and also getting Harrison. He's been on loan for Manchester City. I think the fans were delighted that he is actually signed now. Um, it's it's not like a new signing because he's been there. He's been the mainstay. I just feel there could be one more way I'd like to see, and that would be a, a, a striker because Bamford is the goal scorer. Um, Rodrigo is, is not that man that's going to replace him. He's been absolutely brilliant. Um, when he drops into that deeper position because of his work rate, his energy levels, his movement. And the big one for me, they kept Rafinha. Um, I thought there would have been a lot of clubs swooping to get this player. They've kept it together. And now what you are going to see, some of these players have not played at Elland Road in front of a full house. So when that place is rocking, I'll tell you what, we, we I was chatting the other day about this. Since some of them European nights when Lucas Rudebe scored in the last minute to get us through to the quarterfinals in a game, there was Boya scored against AC Milan to make it 1-0 at Elland Road. It, it's just a very, very scary place for some oppositions to go to when, when Elland Road is rocking and the fans want to be back there. The animosity has gone. I just feel like everything is geared up for Leeds to have another very, very good season. I'm not going to say they're going to emulate or or go and be in a top four team. This is a team that got promoted. Their, their goal was to stay in the league. They did that very convincingly and now it's time to go out and replicate that and Calvin Phillips is still there. Mm. What, a, what a Euros he's had. So all in yeah. all, I'm very, very happy with what he, he's he, done. He's going to come back six foot high, you know, six foot tall because of the way he performed at the Euros. Gareth Southgate completely backed him. Um, so he's a major plus for you, of course. I mean, the only thing that worries me about any team that has a manager that's that intense and puts that much pressure on players to deliver, whether it's physically, mentally, or both, and more often than not, when you, when you have one, it's the other as well. So the physical and mental pressure to you know to deliver every week every time i think is tough if you don't bring enough fresh blood in and that's the one thing that worries me a little bit about Leeds at the moment is they haven't really brought anyone else in i mean yes furpo's come in you mentioned jack harrison but he was there last season he isn't a new signing really even though technically he is the rest are there um and that's the only thing that worries me i do know that victor otter that is there is he, his recruitment is sensational. Bielsa was his man he wanted to get. He got him. When they recruit, the, the, the whole plan and the vision of the club, they know what they're after. I will say that I know they're trying to bring in two players. I don't know who it is. 
I know it's on the cob, but Bielsa has just been spotted. I don't know where this has come from, but there's actually footage of Bielsa going into Manchester City's stadium today. Um, so I don't know what's going on. Maybe there's a loan player coming in because I've already got Jack Harrison signed. So again, there's definitely things still going on and we will see a player, if not two players, come to Ellen Road before the transfer window. I think that's key. Yeah, I, th- I think that's key for Leeds. I, I-, I think they, as a squad, it's like anything. When you start a new season, it's all- you-, you always need a bit of freshening up. You always need a couple of new faces to try and help you go to another level. So whether it's a bit more experience and better quality players, you, you need that as a group. Uh, I've been at times at Middlesbrough where you've had a really quiet, uh, off-season, pre-season in terms of new personnel coming in. And there's always a bit of a f- uneasiness around the squad. You kind of go, well, you know where you're a bit deficient in certain areas and you kind of go, right, we need this and we need that. What are they doing? Why haven't they brought someone else in? And 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 I don't think, you know, Leeds is no different to any other club. All the clubs will be the same. Players will be doing the same thing. So let, we've spoken okay, to Leeds. Yeah. They're going to in that yeah. tier. Yeah. Tom, we're good. I'm good. <laughs> Can so I just add on. something? Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. For, for me, the question mark is Patrick Bamford. I think I think that's, uh, you know, can he can he come up with that amount of goals? Uh, we t- I don't know how many times we talked about. And Bridget, you mentioned it as well. The, the his confidence. Uh, he struggles when the fans are there. I, I think you know Rodrigo. Can he can he be a complimentary piece in, in that jigsaw? I think uh, without those goals he scored last <laughs> season, um, I, I think Leeds will will. Yeah, we'll, we'll struggle at least to, to get in the top six. Okay, so how are we going to split this going down? We haven't spoken about your Southamptons, your Newcastles, your Wolves, your Brightons. What's the gap? What's the split between talking about this sort of mid-table or pushing for the lower European positions that we've just been spoke, speaking about and the relegation race? Are we going to have a surprise packet out of a Brentford? Will Norwich have learnt their lesson from a couple of years ago? Will Watford have learnt their lessons? We'll go through, we'll start with Bridgie, go Tom, then Schwartzy. How are we splitting up the rest of the pack in terms of that? Who where, who do you see folding into which field? Um, I've got my relegated teams um, as Watford. I don't think they have got enough clout to, and I don't think they'll have learned their lessons because I still hear grumblings and I still got some info from behind the scenes that it's still not set up and geared up as a, as a club should be. It's all about the top the top end, the first the first team squad, should we say. Whereas I look at the Leicester City that came up and now they have gone from having a first team squad that went on to win. And they, they went and spent in the academy. They went and spent overseas. They went and spent, you know, in, in the right areas to make them a sustainable and stable club. Watford haven't done that. I think they're still going to be vulnerable. Brentford have got going down as well, unfortunately. I think they will surprise a lot of teams this season um, with their style of play. If they come in with the same mentality, can they do a Leeds United in their first season or a Sheffield United? I don't think they can. I think they will get find out, found out, unfortunately. I hope I'm wrong. If there's any team I want to be proven wrong by, it is Brentford, definitely. And Burnley. I've got Daish's men going down this season as well. So they're, they're my, they're my um, three going down. I think Norwich have learned a lot. I like what they've done recruitment-wise, and I think they will survive this time because they've kept the manager, they've had faith in him, and he will repay them by keeping them up. I'm looking forward to these rebuttals, judging by the facial expressions. See you first, Thomas. Yeah, no, I got Watford uh, as well uh, for similar reasons. Um you know, I would love to see Brentford staying up. You know, I think what Thomas Frank has has has, has done there. Yeah, you know, they they nearly missed out a couple of like two years ago. 
then finally came up. I, I just think they're going to lack quality. Um, you know, I don't think they've signed enough uh, players. Um, I love the players that he has in the squad. I think the mentality he wants from the players uh, a little bit. Uh, yeah, like Bridget said, Bielsa, they have a certain way of playing, high energy. Um, but I, yeah, I, I just don't think they'll have enough. And uh and I think uh, Burnley as well. I don't, you know, I think finally uh, dice uh, the lack of quality. And, and have we got and the again, same three? Yeah, because wow. uh, and to be fair, I don't like seeing Burnley play as well. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so. the only team in the Premier League. I've said this before. If they played in my yeah. front garden or back garden, I would shut the curtains or the blinds. I don't want to see that crap. Yeah, no, and it's not Sean Dice. And I, with what he has to work with and the and amount of money he's been given, and you know, it's it's tough for him. And he's 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 made the most of it. You know, fair play to him. But uh, I think sadly, this is the end of the road. Over to you, Schwartzy. Oh, I'm disappointed. I mean, Sean Dice, the junior Mourinho, there's no chance in the world that he's going to get relegated. He's going to keep them up again. He is the man. He's the expert. I just don't see I, I think, I think Burnley will be all right. Um, I, I, I certainly, and I also think Brentford will stay up. I think Brentford will do a bit of a leads, actually. Um, I, 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 like, I like their whole model. I like everything about the way they play football. I think Ivan Tony will score goals. Um, you know, Ivan Tony said their goal is to win the Premier League. And, you know, the thing about that is, right, we can laugh about it because it is funny, right? And I did, I did have a chuckle. But, you know, what was it? Six years ago, if anyone had said that, you'd be just going, what an idiot. You know, how stupid. How, why would you even say something like that, you know? But then Leicester went and did it. And you kind of go, well, you, <laughs> you know, Brentford are no different to what Leicester were like. If anything, Brentford are probably better equipped in the way that they play, more there's more of a there's more of an identity um, than Leicester had at that time. So, I I, I fancy Brentford to have enough. The, the team that worries me again is Norwich. I, I, I listen. I know like Billy Gilmore's gone there, and and I'm a big fan of Billy Gilmore. I thought he did very very well um, <clears throat> during the Euros, in particular for Scotland. I thought he was very good. I still don't think it's enough. They've signed Josh Sargent, the American internationals at Schalke. Um, sorry, at Schalke. No, he wasn't at Schalke. He was at Werder Bremen, I think it was. Um, I, I've i seen him play quite a lot, and I don't see enough. I don't think it's going to make ne- uh, Norwich a better side in the Premier League. I might be proven wrong. You know, I hope I'm proven wrong. Um, but I, I just don't see overall that, that, that Norwich have enough. I know, you know, Todd Cannonwell's there and he's a, he's a good player and some would say it's probably uh, they're fortunate enough still to have hold of, you know, keep hold of him. But I still don't think they've got enough Norwich to stay in the league. I agree with you with Watford. I think Watford are four or five games away from sacking the manager. I think Zisco Munez is the, is the number one candidate for me for being the sack. Because if he gets off to a bad start, he could be gone after five or six games. And that's just the way uh, Watford operate, and that's the way they've done it under these owners. And the other club that really worries me, and 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 for a number of reasons, it's it's Crystal Palace. Mm-hmm. Patrick Vieira um, hasn't set the world alight wherever he's been as a manager. Really, Palace are one of those clubs. Five years in the Premier League, Roy had him for four years, which has been amazing. He's a manager, and I remember remember hearing what they were talking about in terms of how do they replace Roy. And the challenge was to find a younger version of Roy almost in terms of 
maturity, ability to handle the pressure, not panic, because Palace will go through a run of four or five games they don't win, and the fans will go crazy. They'll get anxious, and they can't have a manager that's going to panic. And I worry about Patrick Vieira being able to handle it, knowing what to do at the right time and keep Palace in the Premier League. So I fear that it could all go pear-shaped very quickly for Palace. And if it does, it could go pear-shaped very, very quickly. And if it does go pear-shaped early on, Swartzy, bring in Ted Lasso, I say. Bring him in. (laughs) (laughs) Very Well, actually, that's the last thing I was going to ask. For the clubs that might not get relegated but who have high expectations, you've touched on that. Patrick Vieira will be under massive pressure early doors. We haven't mentioned Steve Bruce. We haven't mentioned Graham. Potter, there's still some uh, Raf Hassan Hotel. Steve Bruce is safe for life, Dave. Safe for life. There you go. He does he's, not he's, the owner does not care where Newcastle finish. He knows what he's paying Bruce. <laughs> he knows that he can control Bruce. He is absolutely spot on. And, and and actually they'll accumulate more points under Steve Bruce than they did under Rafa, even though Newcastle fans still think Rafa's God, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Any any anyone else that's gonna be jumping Patrick Vieira in the queue? Mm. About what oh, getting sacked uh, first manager? early early season pressure. I hate I don't oh, like Hassan, doing this Hassan one. Hoodle, I've got Hassan Hootle and yeah, all, all Rafa at Everton. No, I've got uh, Munoz at uh, Watford. Zisco Munoz. I, I I think he's he's dead man walking almost with Watford unless he gets off to a flyer. But we've seen it also at Watford. Even managers get off to a flyer, and then a couple of games into it later on, then all of a sudden they're gone. But they they are like the weirdest club in the world. You know, a, a manager can be sacked after two or three full bad runs of games can be sacked. That's how trigger happy they are. So for me, if I, if I were going to bet, I would put it on, on uh, Watford losing their manager first. Brilliant stuff, boys. We have talked and talked and talked and talked. The final word is, as we can tend to kick off on Saturday morning when Arsenal play Brentford, what are you most looking forward to all season? A final word from you all about it could be a favourite player, it could be a signing that's coming, it could be a storyline, it could be something that you have been waiting for a long time. What are you looking forward to the most as the season rolls around? Fans. Let's get the fans in there. Let's awesome. get the atmosphere back. Uh, that, that's what I'm looking forward to because it's, it's going to make the game so much better. We, we saw it at the Euros. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be great. Um, so that, that's what I'm looking for. We know that football on the pitch is going to be fantastic. Um, there's there's going to be storylines uh, left, right and centre. You know, brilliant players. Uh, I'm looking forward to Sancho to see how he, you know, if he can provide that X factor, if he can elevate uh, United. Uh, but yeah, fans is is the number one for me. Just, we might be just off the back, just off the back of what Tommy's saying there with the fans. I am really looking forward to hearing the real crowd effects, the real sound of the fans in the stadium. Because obviously we had COVID, we had the lockdown, and some of the you know the the sounds that we were hearing through the Optus Sport commentary, and not only on Optus Sport, all the productions around the world that show the Premier League, some of the sound effects were absolutely honking. And I'm looking forward to hearing it back in real time and hearing the the witty songs that come from each lot of fans. So um, very, very much looking forward to it. And and just to reiterate what Tommy said there, it's all about the fans and um, I'm, I'm buzzing for it. And Schwarty? Well, I've got a couple of things I'm really looking forward to. Firstly, I'm looking forward to Bridgie having a bit of a, a whinge and a cry about Harry Kane leaving and going to Man City, um, the demise of Spurs. Um, and 
when so Harry Kane goes to Manchester City, Lukaku signs for Westford, then I'm looking forward to that battle to win the Premier League title, which I think Chelsea have too much and win it in the end. Brilliant. Oh, brilliant. Where are you out and about this weekend, Schwartzy? I am. I'm at, actually, I'm at Brentford against Arsenal. So I'm looking forward to that opening game of the Premier League season, which will be absolutely brilliant. I'll tell you what, the other thing I'm looking forward to um, is Swartz's delivery of red wines to us three for his <laughs> I can't wait to open one of them. Uh, I, told you, I gave him a reprieve. He, 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 at the 40th minute mark, he got, up, he got, he got his reprieve with uh, his, his Premier League title prediction. There you go, Bridgie. Unlucky, mate. I'm Come the fans master Come on, of the Dave, game. Hey. Dave, you can it's, shut up, Dave. Right. True, 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 true. Well, if, if, if you don't know the fixtures this weekend and you've listened to this whole podcast, I'm surprised. But anyway, we're going to run through them quickly before we end. Brentford kicks it off. They're back after 70-odd years. They host Arsenal. Saturday night, brilliant. Manchester United against Leeds United, 9.30 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. We're back to the old way the fixtures used to run, like they were before COVID hit. And it's a, it's a goal rush bonanza at midnight with Leicester hosting Wolves, Chelsea hosting Crystal Palace, Watford against Villa, Everton against Southampton, Burnley against Brighton, 2.30 a.m., Norwich against Liverpool, and then the round concludes with Sunday night action, Newcastle against West Ham, and that match we referenced right at the top, Tottenham against Manchester City. Now, if you want any more preview content, the Off The Sport app is absolutely heaving. There are Premier League world shows. There are preview shows. You get in-depth about all the clubs that you want. There is a new news and article section where you can go deep and read about everything you need to head of the season. And there is a new partnership with The Athletic, so you can read all about the inside word on, for example, how Messi landed at PSG, what's happening with Inter Milan as Romelu Lukaku leaves, and all the other transfer business that you might be interested in. Gents, thank you for your time this morning. You have me super excited for the season ahead, and it has been great catching up with you as ever. Thanks so much uh, on both sides of the world. Yes, guys, I can't wait for Burnley against Brighton. That's going to be massive. Well, we know what you're watching on Goal Rush then at midnight. On, well, it's not midnight for you. You can sit back and watch it. I can. Hey, Swartzy can go to games. You know, it's happy days. Down here. You know what, boys? Football will get us through. And uh, if not, we'll just watch Swartzy go to all the games and be very, very, very jealous. Exactly. All right. Thanks for your time, guys, and everyone out there. We hope you enjoyed the opening episode of the season. We'll be with you every week again for the fourth time. We absolutely cannot wait. And until the next episode of the Gagapod, more than ever, enjoy your football. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details.